Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. in Galatians 5, um, the first few verses, and then also 13 through 15, first few kind of talking about um, circumcision and like how that's not really needed anymore, and Paul is saying like, hey, you can do it, you can not do it, doesn't matter, what matters is, um, you know, letting God, letting Christ transform you into a new creation, um, and in the second part of Galatians 5, he's talking about, um, About not using that that liberty, not using that freedom to continue to sin. So today we're continuing on the topic of being made free in Christ. Um, we're going to start off in John eight. Got to turn to John eight thirty one. What did John eight? John eight. Manna from heaven. No, John eight locusts. Remember. Different John. <laughs> Sorry, I, I realized I could bring that further than I expected. <laughs> My initial joke was just on John 8. Mm. John 8 verse. Or just John 8. Uh, John 8, 31. John 8, 31. Lucas. And 7, 8, 9. <laughs> Come on, Zach. Alright, John 8, anyone want to read verses 31 through 38? I'll take it. Is it 31 through 38? Yep. Alright, here we go. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, but because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard. What is Jesus saying here to the to the Pharisees? Alright, first let's let's look at who who is he talking to first? 
the Jews, right? Pharisees? Yeah. Abraham's descendants. Yeah. 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 If we look at the the previous verse before what we just read, the uh, verse 30, it says, Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. And in verse 31, where we started off, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, okay, so Jesus had just a whole bunch of stuff in the, the previous you know, little segment um, in chapter 8, you know, starting at verse 21. It's titled, Unbelieving People Warned. So Jesus is talking to a bunch of unbelievers. You know, they're uh, Jews who don't believe in Jesus, or don't believe in him yet. And so now, there's a bunch of people who heard him say all these things and believed in him. There's also people who didn't believe in him. But now he's talking to the people who do believe in him. He's saying, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What will the truth set you free from? Sin and being a slave to the mm -hmm. law. Yeah. How do you know that? How do you know that's what he's talking about? Because well, he says it. Oh, Thank sorry. you, Zach. Sorry. Yep. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. He who practices sin is a slave to yeah. sin. There you go. Verse 34. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Which I think is funny that Jesus starts with that so many times. I tell you the truth. Which, he is truth. And he always speaks truth. Jesus never lied. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. When the truth, who never lied starts off something by saying, I tell you the truth. It's like, hey, listen up. This is going to be important. This is going to be critical here. I tell you, like, listen up. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But no rejects. High kilo cap. <laughs> a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So a slave is not part of the family. And a slave is someone who sins. If you sin, you're not part of the family, he's saying. Here they're also probably talking about uh, inheritance. Mm -hmm. uh, a member of the family would actually receive an inheritance, uh, but a slave would not. Yeah. And so the, and the inheritance in this case is the kingdom going to heaven. Absolutely. Nice. So. Well said. Any other thoughts mm. so far on, on this little passage? I like the ending where it was, uh, verse 38 where it says, I am telling you what I have seen in my Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. That Jesus is there and it is also like distinguishing between that my Father, like the Father that I'm speaking of is Yahweh, it's God. It's This is who I'm speaking but your Father has taught you you and that's what you're just doing what your father is telling you. Who is Jesus saying that their father is Abraham or or whoever mm -hmm. their I guess their earthly father in a sense. So we won't go into the, the whole rest of this chapter, but Jesus really kinda lays it into them. It says your um, father is the devil. Yeah, saying that their father is the devil. And Jesus' words seem pretty harsh to, in in the rest of this. Like you want some hard truth? 
Jesus laid out here, and you can feel free to read the rest of this on your own. I'm not going to go into all this today because because um, we're not going to. <laughs> um, it, it's great stuff though, but it's it's very repetitive because they're just not getting it. So Jesus keeps going, just keeps saying the same thing to them, like, no, like, and they're like, hey, like our father is Abraham. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And he's like, no, your father is the devil. You guys, are, you're, you guys are following the devil because you're doing what he wants you to do. And you can't even hear me because, you, because, um, because you're the children of the devil. And you love to do evil things. He was a murderer, and so you're a murderer. Mm. He lies, and that's consistent with his character. And he just goes into it. And then they get angry at Jesus, saying like, Hey, like, we're not possessed by demons, and Jesus is like, and then they're, they're kind of like, hey, Jesus, you're possessed by demons, and he's like, no, I'm not, like, um, but anyway, so he's saying, you guys are, are slaves to sin, because, and, and you're obeying your, your father, the devil, and they're like, mm -mm, no, no, God, like, Jesus, we're, we're not, we're, father, our, our father is Abraham, like, no, because if you're if you're children of Abraham, you'd be doing what he told you to do, and instead, you're going against the truth, and you're not imitating your real father. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is the result of abiding in the word of Jesus. We prove ourselves to be his disciples, and we know the truth, and God works his freedom in our life through his truth. The freedom Jesus spoke of doesn't come from just an academic pursuit of truth in general, but from abiding in his word and being his disciple. And why do I say that? Because he says, Jesus says, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And what are, what are Jesus' teachings? What does Jesus preach? The truth. The truth. Mm -hmm. Any specific examples? Anything in general Jesus teaches? Love. Mm -hmm. Love yeah. who? Uh, everyone. Everything. Every person. Uh, yeah. Because if, if like you don't love, like what was down here, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come from... For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God, God sent me. And if you don't love someone, then if you can't love someone here on earth physically, then how can you possibly love God? Because mm -hmm. you can't even see God. You don't. You haven't. You can't. You can't touch God. You can't see God. And if you can't love someone here that you can see and touch and react and interact with, then how are you gonna love something you can't yet see? There's nothing like this freedom that we have in Jesus. No money can buy it. No status can obtain it. No works can earn it. Nothing can match it. But not every Christian will experience this freedom. Because it can only be found by abiding in God's word and being his true disciple. So let's look at how these people react. In 33 to 36... Their, their reaction wasn't, that's wonderful, tell us more, like, 
what it means to be to be free and trusting in your word, that's not how they react. Instead, they react by saying, no, we don't need this. We're good. No, actually, we, we're good. We're, our father's Abraham. We don't need this. Verse 39, they say, our father's Abraham. After everything Jesus just told them about truth and being slaves to sin, their response isn't, wow, you know, yeah, we, we haven't been following God's teaching. We've strayed away. We haven't been, been living out in truth and, and love. Yeah, we have been slaves to sin. It's, nah, we're good. Don't need it. But it's also, like, it's not just, like, we're good and that's not who we are. It literally says, we've never been slaves to anybody. What do you mean? So it's, like, they can't even see how, like, lost mm -hmm. they are. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So when I hear, I hear arrogance or something. Like, when, like, Jesus tells this to them, they, like, come to his, like, we like, like, they have, like, a, not an aggression, but, like, that arrogance, that ego to them. They're like, mm -hmm. like, they, like, they stand firm in it, and they stand, like, tall, like, we are mm -hmm. the descendants of Abraham. We have been slaves of no one. Like, who are you to, like, what, how are you, like, and I feel like that kind of goes back to, in like, Galatians, when it's like, if you live yeah. by the law, you can't find salvation. Mm -hmm. Because they're living by, they're, they're no longer looking at God. They're no longer looking at anything other than the fact that God hasn't set me free. Like, they're looking for salvation or they're looking for freedom or they're looking for anything that is good outside of God. They're, look, they're saying, we are, we are, we have nothing to do. Pretty much, saying, like, to themselves, they're telling themselves that they have nothing to do with God. They have only over our our claim is because of Abraham and our claim is because of these other men. It's it's not God that set us free. It's they've lost that in their heart. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's interesting that they said the word they they stand firm in in thinking that they don't have anything that they need to do or change, when that's exactly what it said in Galatians five one that we looked at last week. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And instead of standing firm in the truth, they're standing firm in the dark. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're standing firm. They're saying, no, we're good. I know where I'm planted. We're, father, we're children of Abraham. We're good. We don't need what you're saying. Jesus, you're, you're possessed by a demon. We don't need this. That's not, that's not good. They're standing firm, and they're in the dark. And they don't even realize it. They're not accepting that they're in the dark. Is that the Pharisees missing the mark of what Abraham originally was saying? Because I don't think Abraham's intentions were to create a cult of Pharisees that believe that they're only the descendants of him. Like, or is that just the Pharisees missing the mark? They're missing the mark. That's okay, I, is that Pharisees, yeah. okay? I was because I was like, Pharisees? I don't see Abraham like doing this on purpose. Like, this isn't like the plan of God. Is like, is this like why Jesus has come to them and talked to them, like saying, "Look, I get it." what you've been thinking like this is what your father before you and the father before him has been teaching you guys but you guys are missing the mark here man i'm trying to help you out I'm trying to tell Pharisees you I'm trying to bring you back this many rules and made it this many rules mm -hmm. so that they make sure they don't miss these rules but by that they miss the mark and like hey let's also you know make sure we don't do this 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 and this and this and that's where it became religion as mm -hmm. opposed to relationship and that's where jesus comes back and is like bringing back into a relationship of Okay. And you guys are missing the mark. That's essentially why Jesus came. Like you guys are really missing the mark and and not in a relationship with me. You're you're you're, you're in religion. 
And Jesus often taught against the norms of the society and culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that was interesting. Yeah. Any final thoughts in this passage? Kind of like how he ends it there a little bit in 37. Um, let's see if I can pull that to end there. Um, actually, I'm sorry, 35. Where it's like, now a slave has no permanent place, but a son belongs to it forever. So he doesn't mean not once, not more than once. He means to it uh, forever. And not like it will end. Uh, so I like how he ties that in there. And then when he goes into 36... It's like you're set free. Not only are you set free, you're gonna be free indeed. So I, I really like how that all um, encapsulates. Yeah. So, um, but good, powerful stuff. Cool. All right. Let's move into Second Corinthians three seventeen. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Sabbath day and how they the, the Pharisees took immense issue to Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath um, and he was like hey you know the Sabbath wasn't created for God it was created for man um, and for whatever reason it just came to mind and I wanted to go back and read it again and so in Deuteronomy 5 12 it starts talking about like what the Sabbath is and, and what to do and he says observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord God com- your God commanded you Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or uh, or the sojourner who is within your, within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Right? Very aggressive there on who's supposed to do it. This is, this is the part that I was kind of getting to. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the, God, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So it was, it was funny to me that the, <laughs> these guys are, are talking with such arrogance, to your mm-hmm. point, of 
we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. So you're you're conveniently going back to one of the heroes of the faith that it talks about in Hebrews, right? And saying, oh yeah, we're descendants of this great, you know, man of God. But you're conveniently skipping over the part where those descendants were also enslaved. So that was just I just thought mm. it was interesting. Yeah. It's almost like they lost what the Sabbath, like like how this, I've never read that in Deuteronomy, but how, what the Sabbath was like. You're supposed to remember on the Sabbath every every Sabbath. You're supposed to remember. That they were that we were once slaves in Egypt, but God has brought us out of that. If they would have always remembered that, then they wouldn't be sitting there going, "Oh, we're we're, we're Abraham." So we're doing pretty, great. We're doing yeah. great right now, man. Yeah. Now, Rachel, this is a question, kind of curiosity. Does verse uh, eighteen end different for your translation? It's different than NIV for like I said, glorious image, but did that say just something different? Um, I'm in NLT. So oh, gotcha. So it makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Okay. Uh, I was just, uh, it, was, it was interesting, always fascinates me to read different translations, but I was like, I looked at the end of 18, I was like, that's interesting. 18 for NIV says, and we all who are unveiled faces contemplate, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed in his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, anyway, this is fascinating. So let's break down 17 a little bit. Verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> For the Lord is the Spirit. What does that mean? Don't have to overthink it. What does it mean that the Lord is the Spirit? Dwells within us. Okay. Shows us the way. Yeah, I kind of started thinking like about like each individual's character, and it's like the Lord is the spirit. The Lord is the driver of our lives, even though we're, you know, living them out in our flesh. He's the driver, but he's also like our character. So when the Lord is the spirit, everything that makes up who you are, that's who Jesus is. Okay. It's good. I think it's also going in by saying the Holy Spirit is God. Um, the Lord is the spirit in the same way that the Holy Spirit is God and Jesus is God. The Father is God. They're all one. The Lord is the spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I know we probably all have a song going on. Yeah, that's right that's right. I was singing the whole time. <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's okay. <laughs> well, there's two different songs. That was songs the version I was singing. The exact same. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so, The spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. What does that mean? Where the spirit of the Lord is, I can do whatever I want. Where the spirit of the Lord is, do what you want with no restraints. Do what you want with free will, no oversight, vacation. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's 4th of July. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's money. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's choices. This is how we defined freedom last week in the very beginning. 
So is this what he's saying here? That the spirit of the Lord is, there's all these things? No, where the Lord is, there the devil is not. And so, that leads you where you want to go. <laughs> that we don't have to listen to our old masters? That when old sin comes up, we don't have to, like, we don't have to fault, like, our masters, can, our old masters don't have to say, by the way, Christ had no right to do that, you're still bound to your sin, or it tells us, like, not to indulge in the flesh anymore, to live like Christ. Christ had the choice of either sin or don't sin. He chose to not be a slave to sin, and that's that same choice that he gives us. That's where the Spirit of the Lord comes in us, and we have that same freedom to where we don't have to sin. We don't, like, whenever we have a temptation or a thought, ooh, should I do that or can I do that? Just think, Christ says I don't have to. Christ says I, I, I shouldn't do it, and I, it's that fear of the Lord also. You shouldn't, you should fear the Lord that when evil does come, that's, I was just, I just read it today. I highlighted it too. That's great. It was talking about the fear of the Lord is how we combat an evil. When evil thoughts come, having that fear of the Lord really helps out with, I'm kind of scared. I don't want to do that because I know if I do do that, I will be judged. But also I'm at freedom and not having to do that. Cool. So. When the spirit dwells within us as believers, we have freedom from that slavery of sin. Um, and it's because the Spirit is in us that we have that freedom, and it also equips us to be able to fight against our flesh. Yeah. Do you mind if I give a little more context and read, like, verse 12? I was just about to start from verse 7. <laughs> what, you, I was just about to say, now let's get some more context and see what kind of freedom you're looking at here. Okay. So there you go, beat me by a half a breath. <laughs> you want to start from verse 7? Sure. Still saying Corinthians, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, still chapter, chapter 3, three verse 7 through, I'm just going to read. For through like 21, is that okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on, on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was brought, being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if, <clears throat> for, if what is, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. End. But their minds were hardened, for the, to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Cool. So what does that change for, for what this means? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What do we have? What is this freedom that we're looking at here? It's a slightly different perspective it's of... It's freedom from that veil, right? The veil talking, that did what? The veil that was hardening their hearts, right? Their minds were hardened. 
Um, and it's really interesting to me because I don't think anywhere in the Old Testament mentions that Moses wore a veil when interacting with the people or anything like that. It said he was very meek, but it doesn't say anywhere that he has this veil. So you kind of learn about that here. Um, just talking about how um, there, <laughs> I like verse 9 where he says, if, the, if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness was far exceeded in glory. Right, that, that context of, like, hey, the, the law being that analogy of shining light on all the problems, right? Um, if there's glory in that, then how much more glory is there in removing the problems, right? Does that make any sense to anybody? All right, that's the end of my points. <laughs> it's not saying that you're free from the law, right? So what it's talking about here is the veil... Um, and in Exodus 34, it talks about, I had to look it up, um, about Moses wearing the veil. So it, it does reference that in the Old Testament, um, that uh, whenever he went to the tent, Moses, whenever, this is Exodus 34, 34, whenever Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord gave him. And the people would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. So after Moses would speak in the tent with the Lord, his face would shine. And so when he came out to speak to the people, his face literally had this just bright, brilliant glow from being in the Lord's presence. They would put a veil over to kind of like not terrify them, not blind them, um, mm. which is just absolutely crazy and mind-blowing um but so this veil that he's talking about that where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom he's saying there's no longer this veil and there was this giant veil that separated us that distanced us from god that we couldn't enter into his glory we couldn't enter into his presence until jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn and now we have this freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, all one and the same. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We now have this access to God in a way that we didn't before. Before, Moses had this access, but, he, but even he had to wear a veil because he was in his presence. Now, we have this freedom to talk to God. God, thank you so much for this access to be able to talk to you. Right now, I'm talking to God, and I don't have to go behind a veil. I don't have to wear a veil. There's this freedom to talk to God right now. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit, where the Spirit is, where the Holy Spirit is, we have freedom. We have free access to God, unlimited free Wi-Fi access to God. This is like beyond 5G. This is like direct connection. Oh, I, I missed some context myself, by the way. It's talking about the specific incident when Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. How, because his face was glowing, they had to put the veil over his face. So that's just some interesting... In Exodus thing. 34. Yeah, when he talks about... Because, um, I'm sorry, I was just reading over it again where he talks about with such aggression. He says, now if the ministry of death... 
the ministry of death. He's calling the covenant, the first covenant, effectively, the ministry of death, carved in yeah. letters on stone, came, uh -huh. with, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? That's just... Hmm. What part of Exodus are you in? Is it Exodus or... I think he said Exodus 34. It sounds yeah, 30, about right. 34, 34. Yeah, that's just... Wow, yeah, because Moses comes down and he's all glowy. And uh, because he saw Jesus, he saw God's back as he was passing. He put him in the cleft of the rock and the whole thing. It's a great story. Go back and read it. At some point. Oh, yeah. yeah, so what he's saying here, um, Paul in 2 Corinthians, is... Uh, just as Moses had the, the freedom to relate to God without the veil in the presence of the Lord, so we have the, the freedom, the liberty, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the freedom that we have here is the freedom to be in the Lord's presence through the Holy Spirit. Hmm. We have this invitation to be in relationship with We don't have to, we can be unveiled. We don't have to wear a veil. We don't have to have this barrier between us. All right, final section we're going to look at today, Colossians 1.13. Don't have to turn too far. Yeah, you're just flipping a few pages if you're flipping in the physical Bible. Or a few few books later, Colossians one chapter thirteen. Sorry, Colossians chapter one what? verse thirteen. Nice. Look at this highlighted as well. Colossians one. Uh, yeah, chapter one verse thirteen. Right. There is no Colossians thirteen. Um, I'm going to read from, I'm going to start a little bit before that, at verse 11, I'm going to read through 14. So I'm in Colossians 1, verse 11 through 14. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I'm going to read 13 and 14 again. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Look how your version uses purchased. Uh, I don't think mine has. Mine has what is your saying, 14? Uh, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I guess redemption, but I like the word purchase. Mine says rescued. Some, I uh, have a footnote for verse 14. Some manuscripts add with his blood. Who purchased our freedom with his blood and forgave our sins. Our freedom, I really like what it says here in, in verse 12. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. I think, Joseph, you mentioned about inheritance earlier today, right? And it all ties in here. God has enabled us 
to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. And our freedom was an inheritance. It is an inheritance. It's not an earned wage. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I do, but I did nothing. You all did nothing. We did nothing to earn our freedom. It was an inheritance. It was given to us. Because of who our father is. It's already paid for. Exactly. The price has been paid in full. He purchased our freedom. And we think about you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Independence Day, and, you know, about the price that was paid for our freedom in this country to, you know, to be able to sit down here in a basement and publicly say, we're having a Bible study, and know that we're not going to be killed. Because other places, if you even go and say the name Jesus, you can be murdered, and you will be murdered in other places. But we have this freedom, this right in this country to practice whatever faith we want, to say whatever we want, to do whatever we want. Paul also says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So you can do whatever you want, but not everything is good for you. But we have this freedom, we have this inheritance, this freedom as an inheritance. Uh, Charles Spurgeon had this quote, Beloved, we are still tempted by Satan, but we are not under his power. We have to fight with him, but we are not his slaves. He is not our king. He has no rights over us. We do not obey him. We will listen to his temptations. I'm oh, sorry. We will not listen to his temptations. But I like that line of, we're not under his power. We do have to fight with him. But we're not his slaves. Because the enemy is still shooting stuff at us and still, you know, whispering in our ear, sometimes yelling in our ear. So we still need to fight against that. But he's not our king. We don't obey him anymore. Yeah, whether you want to think about it as, you know, a separation, a choice. Uh, you can think about it and say, you know, Jesus purchased our souls from the devil uh, in a way with his blood, right? Um, but the light and the darkness can't coexist, yeah. you know. So there's there's that separation. You know, you're either with Christ or you're not. Translated, he, he do an in-depth study on this. The the word conveyed, or in this translation, transferred, transferred us in verse thirteen. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Another, I think, more original version says um, conveyed, conveyed or transferred has a special significance in the ancient world. When one empire conquered another, the custom was to take the population of the defeated empire and transfer it completely to the conquered land. In this sense, Paul says that we have been 
transferred or conveyed into God's kingdom. Everything we have and everything we are now belongs to Him, to God. In the same way that a conquered nation would be transferred, you are no longer your nation, you are now part of this nation. Everything you have, everything you are is now part of this nation. The same way he's saying is, this, that's how strong this word is. Everything you were, everything you are before, has been transferred because of the blood of Christ. You've been purchased. This, you no longer belong here. Everything you are and everything that is yours is now part of God's, is now God's Are you familiar with the concept of defecting? I'm not sure. Okay, so I know you're probably going to be familiar with it, just as a military guy. Um, but when it comes to, uh, if you're if you're a member, like it was common during the Cold War, but if you're a member of a certain country, right, and you have citizenship of Russia, for example, there were a number of people that defected from Russia and said, okay, I'm going to give up my Russian citizenship and become an, uh, an American citizen to help the American government because I believe in what they have. Um, and so I actually wrote it down on my phone a couple months ago. I don't know what inspired me to do it, but I put in there, I was like, I have um, surrendered my earthly citizenship uh, and defected to the army of Christ or, or something along those lines. Let me actually pull it up. But it's, it's just... Um, and defected to joining the army of Christ. And so that's a lot of what we're doing, right? Is it's not, we, we are required to surrender what we have and what we've been a part of and we're no longer partaking in that citizenship, if that makes sense. That's just a thought. Cool. Any final thoughts here? Good stuff. We're still in first Colossians. I was reading through the from three to whatever thirteen. I was reading through it, and cause I was I was I was like, where is this all kind of like where I was like, because the wording he was using just seemed very. I was like, is he talking to someone? Is he talking to a certain person? Is he talking to us? Is he just writing things down? Because normally like all these are letters that Paul wrote out, and I was reading back and it's a it's a prayer almost that he has given to these people because he has heard great things of them. And he was saying that he's praying to them that he that they continue that he continually prayers for them. And I think that's just worth noting that even then they understood the power of prayer. And it's not just like one day I like like recently we like me and Haley getting ready to be engaged or getting planning a wedding. I don't just say it wasn't like two weeks ago I prayed one time God help us with the wedding, and then that's and I'll never bring up wedding again in my prayers. It's every morning, every night, we pray to, we, it's all about God to put in the right direction, put in the right direction. It's that continuous prayer of like a specific thing. Be specific, be intentional. And I think Paul gives a good example of this because he says he continually prayers, and he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we, can, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives that he did like Zach was saying about what was the word defecting, defecting. 
He's telling them that you have defected from this world. That you, you, we, we pray that you do defect from this world. That you do only gain wisdom and understanding through the Spirit. That you don't search for culture. You don't search for how people are doing it. Don't listen to what people tell you. Don't follow the Spirit. Follow God's Word. Follow the Gospel. Understand the Gospel. Because if you don't understand it and you don't follow it, nothing, there isn't salvation there for you. But you're going to have a really rough, hard time understanding, like, why is this happening to me in life? Or just you're going to have a real hard time. You're going to be asking a lot of questions. You're going to be um, stuck in, I guess, the rut or stuck in the you know mm-hmm. part where you can't, you know, find the goodness, the knowledge, the is fruit, it? the spirit, you know, all that good stuff. You're not going to find it if you don't live by what's being said here. You're not going to find it in paper hands this time. Alright, final question here. Now what? Reach the lost and make disciples. That's my question. What do we do with this? It's like, cool. It's done. Alright, see you next week. What do we do with this? What does this change? What does this do in your hearts? What What does it mean? My brother had a shirt growing up that says, Be the moon, reflect the sun, S-O-N, sun. Um, so with the veil torn and now we can like see that light, we need to make sure that others then can see that light bouncing off of us, mm-hmm. um, spreading the gospel, um, showing people the goodness of Christ. It's almost like, like to kind of piggyback off that it's like a, almost making that freedom recognizable to others or to like emanate all the goodness that God has given us in every day you know yeah. what would you what would someone who was in prison for their entire lives and who was just freed from a cell what would they do if they just gained freedom? Would they go do what they did before to get them to where they were? It's like they almost gained a choice back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, they have that choice to either go back to what they did before, or but they kind of like gained a choice. Because sometimes, like when you're a slave to sin. You always feel like, and you don't know the gospel. And I think that's why important for us to spread the gospel and make disciples. Because if you don't know the gospel, then you're a slave to sin. You don't know there is another way, and you have no choice. Just as a prisoner in jail, they no longer have human rights. Like, you're, like you don't have the right to anything. You get told every day what you're going to do. You don't have a choice. You say, oh, I don't want to go. I know you're going outside. I, don't wanna, I know you're eating this. Well, I don't know you're doing that. So, when they come out, like that, like you said, that veil is torn, and you have a choice. You can go back to sin, or you don't. You, you, you start a new life, and that's that choice.
Last week, I'm going to read this one verse again in um, Galatians 5, uh, verse 2. If you are counting on, let me fill in the blank, the law, to make you right with God, he's talking about circumcision, but he's talking about the law in general. If you're counting on the law to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. And what, you, what it all boils down to, if you're counting on what you can do to make yourself right, to what you can do to obey God what Jesus did up on there pointless there's no point he wasted his time, he wasted his blood completely pointless for you if you're trying to make yourself right with God mm. next week will be a game night and then um, then we'll be an Easter by then and then um, we'll celebrate Easter um, and then the day after Easter we'll be back here for Bible study um, and uh, we'll be doing a um, Easter oriented Bible study kind of looking at you know what Jesus did on the cross um, and yeah, so we'll be kind of going into that after Easter this year. Um, but 
leading up, wanted to talk about the freedom that we have because of what he did on the cross and and who Christ says we are. That this is all where it all boils down from of we looked at throughout John and after we finished reading through John of who Jesus of who we say that Jesus is, his question to a lot of different people is who do you say I am? Because how you answer that question will tell someone everything they need to know about you. If all Jesus is to you is, or to me, is just, yeah, he was that guy who did that thing. That tells you a lot about me. tells you a lot about where I'm at. But if Jesus is your Savior, if he's your Redeemer, if he's your, your everything, that's a whole, other, a whole other story. So, now we're looking at who Jesus says that we are. We're a new creation. We've been freed. We're free. And we're going to keep looking at different things from there. Uh, but we're going to be going into a um, reflection of what Jesus did on the cross. And and celebrating that. Like the, like the worship said, Friday is good because Sunday is coming. We call Friday, leading up to Easter, Good Friday. Which, if it weren't for what happened on Sunday of his resurrection, I would dare to say we call it Terrible Sunday, not Good, uh, sorry, Terrible Friday, not Good Friday, because the Savior of the world, God's only Son, was just nailed up on a cross. And we call it good because of what happened on Sunday of his resurrection. So we can have joy in that and knowing that, hey, we already been told the end of the story. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made of dying upon the cross to take our place. Help us to not take that for granted and let it not be counted as worthless to us. Let us be able to remember what you did every day, not just around the Easter season, not just on Mondays, not just on Sundays, not just when we're talking about Bible studies in John 3.16, but Every day, every hour, every minute, Lord, help us to be reminded of what you did for us personally, for each one of us, to, that, to take that cross in our place, to give us an inheritance of freedom, because we certainly did nothing to earn it, and we never could. Thank you for freely giving that to us. Let us want to be able to spread that, that amazing fortune, that it doesn't deplete our fortune, it only... It only greatens it. I don't know if greatens is a word, but it does. God, you are so good that you greaten everything you touch. Um, whether it's a word or not, but you every everything that your hand is on is good. Thank you for what you did on the cross for us. Thank you for this Easter season that we get to reflect, that we get to remember, and we get to celebrate. That we get to celebrate your death, which which is something that we don't celebrate. We don't celebrate death, but that we get to celebrate your death because it means that, that you conquered death. That death lost its sting. That, that we no longer have to be saddened by death, but joyous in knowing that there is resurrection. That you are the resurrection. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for... Resurrection that you so freely gave to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. 
It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.